Welcome to Deep Talk, the podcast for advanced English learners who are looking to explore something a little bit deeper. My name's Rhiannon and I'm an English teacher and coach. Each week I invite a different guest onto the show and they choose a text or video they've really loved recently. Together we talk about the ideas and we invite you to join in on social media. You'll find the link to the text we discuss in the description to this podcast, along with a link for the transcript, which will help you follow the twists and turns of our conversations. We'd always love to know what you think about a specific episode, topic, or text, so please send me a message either via Instagram at RhiannonELT or by email at info at RhiannonELT.com. You'll find the links to both of those in the description. Today's conversation is fascinating. We started with a beautiful article from the New Yorker magazine, selected by my guest Lorna, all about unlived lives. How, as humans, we are so often drawn to our imagined alternative lives, things that might have happened or people we might have become had we only made different decisions along the way. I really recommend you take a look at the article before listening to the rest of this podcast, as we refer to it pretty often. And aside from that, it's absolutely stunning. But the conversation will still make sense without it. The article itself is pretty long, but don't feel you need to read it all to understand the writer's main points. As always, you'll find a link to it in the description of this episode. As you listen, I invite you to reflect on what imaginary lives, what negative space, to take a phrase from the article, make up your identity and your journey. What little moments or decisions have dictated the trajectory of your life so far, and how might things have been different? Anyway, without any further ado, let us join today's Deep Talk. Today I'm joined by Lorna. Lorna works in higher education and her role is to support universities in their strategies and activities to attract students globally. She loves her job because she believes in the power of education to change lives. And while her family are all teachers, she chose a route which helps universities give students access to education. In her spare time, she's an avid reader and runner. She regularly takes part in Park Run, a weekly community run that happens all over the UK and the world. In addition to this, and the feminist book club she's a member of, Lorna also runs her own podcast, Destination Unknown, all about exploring the twists and turns of people's career paths. Today, she has chosen an incredibly interesting text from the New Yorker magazine. It's written by Joshua Rothman and is titled, What If You Could Do It All Over? The Uncanny Allure of Our Unlived Lives. Lorna, welcome to Deep Talk. Could you start us off by telling us what this article is all about? Of course. Firstly, thank you so much for having me here and for giving me an opportunity to talk about something that I find so fascinating. So this article was published in December 2020. So that was the end of the calendar year of the pandemic or the first year of the pandemic. I mean, the end of the year is always a natural moment of reflection anyway. And I think in the context of the pandemic, it held enormous nuance and enormous poignancy. So the article is really about an exploration of the very human experience of wondering what if, and the experience that so many of us have of considering the ways our life could have turned out if only 
this other thing happened or the idea that within the context of this article the writer talks about him starting his own startup while he was at university at college and that that could have flown off and done amazing things like Microsoft or Facebook and the way that life turned out is slightly different very very different and ends up being a journalist but he also gives lots of different examples from popular culture history literature um, to elucidate more about this common experience of always reflecting back and almost kind of doing over our lives in fantasy about what life could have been like if one thing or a few things had changed in the past. Yeah, it was a a really, really interesting article to read. And I think a lot of the kind of my impression before getting into the article of this shoulda, woulda, coulda, what if kind of thought process is one in which you really focus on regrets. Like, I wish that things had been different But he seems to have a much broader view of this what if. He doesn't just focus on people who are in bad situations wishing that it could be better, but instead really just reflecting on the possibility of living a different life more generally. Yeah, absolutely. I think he uses the example of what if I'd never have my son, which Mm -hmm. of course is almost a devastating thing to look back and think, oh my goodness, what if I didn't have this gorgeous center of my world in my life and that's a really lovely example of the what if in the other way around where life could have been so much worse and I think that's also kind of a a lot of the way that I've reflected over the course of the pandemic I've been incredibly lucky and things could have have gone have gone really wrong in my experience and of course for many people it's the it's the other way around but I did I agree I really I really like that it was a very measured response to it and I, I so much of my kind of reflection on the article itself also is thinking about you know is it just covid that makes this question so important or have our lives is society and life set up for us to be thinking about those things and that's my reflection really has been about why is this so poignant and salient now and why have i connected to it so deeply and one of the ideas and one of the kind of parts of that that I came to was thinking about how our lives have so many rites of passage and Mm. rites of passage as a crossroads to create unlimited and lived lives and those rites of passage might be you know going back to high school like first boyfriend or girlfriend or partner um, first sexual experience choosing what to study or whether to study at university what job to go into what courses subjects to study where to live There's all of these rites of passage that are an essential part of flourishing, of growing up, of moving life forwards. But every decision we make as part of these rites of passage close off universes that could have been and set us on a single path, which is which is wonderful. But if our life wasn't didn't wasn't so full of rites of passage and where life was full up of other people's decisions for us, would we have such layers of um, not regret, but of reflection? Yeah, and that's a point he makes as well, that perhaps modern life is more kind of set up for these points of reflection than perhaps a couple of centuries ago when he makes the point that most people would have lived the same lives as their parents. And he even contrasts it with um, completely, uh, yeah, what's the name? The He talks about the fighter from Troy. Can you remember the name of the fighter from Troy? No. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but he talks about this this moment for this character whose name I definitely know and has completely um, slipped my mind now. But he talks about this moment when the character is given a choice between fighting and dying at Troy or living a boring life. And he makes the point that 
in that situation, you're really given two choices. Whereas in reality, we're given choices every single day that could have an impact. And something that I was thinking about when when reflecting on the kind of key moments of, of my life is that you get, as you kind of describe them, these, these rites of passage moments, these big decisions that you go into knowing that they are big decisions, like choosing a university course or something like that. But there are so many little things that perhaps if your imagination runs away with you, you might think are very, very big, but are actually tiny. I mean, I think about my first date with my now long-term partner. It was literally just a kind of, well, I'm in Edinburgh. (laughs) I'll see if anybody's on Tinder. (laughs) And it was just a chance. You know, I didn't have anything to do that week. So I was a bit bored and I was just visiting the city kind of randomly and then suddenly that has turned into me living here for six years, buying a house with her. We have two cats. And all it was was a drink at four o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> like it was the, the smallest event yeah. and it had the hugest consequence yeah. on my life. I was reflecting as you were talking about my own experience with my partner as well. And yeah, I got it. it feels when you look back on your own life, that feels like a really big moment. And of course it was because it set the trajectory for the rest of your life, but it could have you know, if, if you guys didn't get on, that might have just been a random Tuesday. I think the same about, about my own, my own partner in that, um, I think sometimes all of us also worry so much about the words we say. And and I was thinking about, you know, what would, what was, what was the turning point for my date, my first date with my now, uh, again, long-term partner, husband. And I told him on our first date that he wasn't my favorite person that I was dating. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) If he was a different person, that would have gone a very different way, a very different way. There's all of these little things where little small words, not just the date itself, but also what you talk about in the moment and how you connect and potentially it could have been right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, all of these small things, it's that butterfly effect idea that tiny changes, if you go back in time, you change one thing and suddenly you don't exist anymore, um, which is, you know, I think we're immediately going down this kind of science fiction version of the way that time works. Oh God, again, we could just, we could talk so much about the physics of time in this as well. It opens up so many enormous doors. And the writer himself kind of goes into that a little bit where he talks about how often when we think about these alternate realities, we're really moving into complete nonsense in the sense that our, um, you know, we think, oh, what if our parents had done something different? Then we could have been, when in actual fact, if our parents had done something different, we wouldn't have been. Another thing that I think is really worth pointing out about this article and those interesting things which I referenced as part of the introduction is also all of the references to popular culture and I think just how prevalent and how deep this experience of the unled or unlived lives that that we reflect on. I, I there's a lot of examples of literature in particular that for me I really um I really love and I think it's, it's really poignant. I think one of the one of the examples is um, Brokeback Mountain. Oh my gosh, that film. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen it and every single time it just crying cuts me oh my gosh yeah yeah and that's you know that the example there is a, a part of the world where two men who fell in love could not 
be together because of the context of the of the time and the idea being that you know perhaps there could have been another version of life where they get to live together and live in in love and i you know i also wonder I, you mentioned that i'm in a feminist book club i think there's also so many examples of literature that envision a world for people who are not able to live their full truth um, or not able to live in their full power another example for me so brokeback mountain i think is a really beautiful and painful example of um of two men not being able to live in their truth there's a, a young adult book called the power oh yeah which is about a version of history in which women have a strong physical power which is essentially shooting out electricity out of their hands and it's that's such an interesting exploration also of what would the world be like if the context of history was completely mm-hmm. different and in Ennis and Breakback Mountain, the context of history is what if same-sex relationships were completely loved and accepted in Western America yeah. in the 60s and yeah. 70s? And then this other story that, that is not in this article, but I think makes me think about it, is the power in which women have physical prowess over men. And so the dynamics of power are reversed. And what's interesting is early on in this revolution as women discover their power, the idea is that women are gentle, they're nurturing, they're never going to abuse this power. Mm. And of course, it's the power itself that corrupts. Yes. Which again, I think comes back to this idea of what would our life be like if I was born a boy, born in a different country, born to different parents yeah. who who love differently. Um, yeah. And for me, again, to go back to the, the writer, I think like what you said, Rhiannon, that it's not just about regrets, but about things you're so grateful for. That for me is so much of what I reflect on the things I'm most grateful for. And that I'm, you know, that, that the things in my life that are in a good place and may not have been otherwise. You mentioned right at the beginning of this conversation about the situation many people found themselves in during the early part, especially of the coronavirus pandemic, reflecting on kind of perhaps even the future like where is my life now going that it wasn't before um for me it's setting up this business I wouldn't have this podcast I wouldn't have the business I have if the coronavirus hadn't happened which for which I'm grateful which feels very uncomfortable to be grateful for something that was in itself negative um but another thing that my partner and I spoke about a lot was we were so grateful that it happened when it did, because if it had happened a year or two years earlier, we would have been in a rented apartment. We would have been in a one bed. Our internet like didn't even make it to like the end of the room where our desk was. Um, we would have been in such a smaller space. And we there were still obviously frustrations about being in a very in a limited space with somebody who you love, but my God, you wish they were out of the house more. Everybody, I think, experienced that. But we had space to spread out. It was ours. So if we wanted to kind of make a makeshift office, we could do that because we could bang into the walls and stuff, which you can't do in a rented apartment. So there was a lot of our conversation in those first few months was well, thank God it, thank God it's the way it is. I 
I'll let you get back to the conversation in just a sec, but I wanted to interrupt to let you know that you don't have to just listen to these chats. If you want to join conversations on topics just like this one, I run discussion courses, also called Deep Talk. They're for advanced and proficient users who are looking for a space to learn about and discuss interesting topics. Sign up to my mailing list to find out when the doors open. Back to the show. And we talked a lot about kind of rites of passage and how this is reflected in popular culture. I think one one last topic and area that I'd really like to talk about um, before before we finish is also um, the piece about technology. So this isn't explored in great depth um, as part of this article, but I think the, that concept of why why now, why this moment, why is this topic so salient, and how does it fit into our lives? For me, technology is a really crucial part of why unled and unlived lives is um, is so poignant thinking about particularly social media and our connection to other things part of that unlived life I think you know we talked about you know we're not going to have the lives our parents had Mm -hmm. but also wishing for the lives that our grandparents and great-grandparents had that was so much simpler so the rites of passage that our parents had was one was one part of life but I think there's also so much um, discussion, even today, having a conversation with um, with a client of mine who talks about the idea that if they came into lots of money, they would buy a, they'd buy a farm mm-hmm. and they would get rid of their phone. And, you know, those are future unlived and unled lives, not just the ways that, that go back, but what if my now were to change for the future? And technology, I think, with all things, we need everything in moderation and Again, the pandemic has forced us into absolutely no moderation, all technology all the time, being in lockdowns all over the world where the only way to connect is through our phones or through technology. And combination of wanting human real life connection back Mm -hmm. and also wanting a version of life where we are not so reliant on on technology. It's like, again, the good and the bad. So grateful that we have it. Imagine not being able to speak to your mum every day if you mm-hmm. really wanted to or not be able to connect with a grandparent who was sick during covid thank god for technology in that way but at the same time not wanting to be quite reliant on it the same way and the other side of that also being um the moments of comparison that are unavoidable sorry between you and other people you mean yes absolutely so you've got moments of comparison with yourself where you could be if something changed but also i think that um the idea again the writer talks about potentially could have followed in the footsteps of you know other big tech entrepreneurs which he didn't do and social media makes us or forces us to look at the lives of others that we aren't having and the lives of them that we think oh maybe we could have done that you know oh if only my parents hadn't got divorced if only I'd chosen science subjects at school I could have gone on and done something completely different it could have given me more options if only I had chosen different city if only I had um, chosen a different car or not invested in buying a car, I could have done something else with the money. I think there's so many of these, of, of these things that we're what other people do where they've made successes that we could have done. They come from contexts like ours and looking at their lives and wanting to do that. And so again, there's the, the context of our life makes it impossible mm-hmm. or incredibly difficult, not only to compare ourselves versus ourselves, but crucially ourselves versus others and so are exposed to lives in completely different ways yeah 
You reminded me while you were speaking of a thought that I had and noted out while I was reading the article, which was the point that our our what ifs are very rarely random. They're very rarely like, you know, oh, what if I was an astronaut? They're not really, they don't tend to be based on that. Certainly not the ones that are kind of the, the sucker punch to the gut that really make you feel something uh, when you think about them. They tend to be those kind of, well, I nearly did that. I nearly went there. I was really, they use the phrase, which I love in the article, which there was a fork in the road. I had a choice and I made a choice because, you know, even if you choose to stay the same, you're saying no to an opportunity. If you choose to take an opportunity, you're saying no to staying the same. There are these forks in the road. Some of them, as we've spoken about, kind of big and grand and you know that they're happening. Others, very small, just incidental decisions that you have to make but it's always those moments and I think your point about social media is interesting because so often we follow people who as you say perhaps they're they're old friends from uni now you and I are 10 years out of uni now our lives with our course mates have gone in a gazillion different directions and yet at one point we were in the same place and so how did they get there and I got here and obviously there's the opportunity for jealousy there when we think about, you know, how come they're earning that much money or how come they have that house or how come they are living this wonderful Instagram life of beautiful you know, rooftop, rooftop restaurants and brunches. And we look at these situations and we go, you know, we were in the same place 10 years ago. How are we so different now? Is it something I did? Did I make a mistake? Could I have chosen a different decision for me as you know after university I, I moved to Spain and I started teaching English which is famously not hugely lucrative as a as a career path I had friends who went to London and who applied god knows how many times for jobs in you know the kind of the big four consultancy firms or they went into law or they went into I don't know what and mm-hmm. they are now, predictably, <laughs> on completely different trajectories. I mean, you would almost be surprised if you didn't know us to work back and realize that we had that intersection at one point because our lives look so different on the surface. I was just very struck by that fact that it's always those those nearly theirs. It's never a random person living a random life on the other side of the world that makes you jealous or makes you think about yourself it's always the ones who go but we either were in the same position because we were at the same place or you find out that they were once in the same position and then it makes you kind of yeah what what could have been Mm -hmm. what if I could do it all over would I do it all again would I be happier healthier to go back to what you said about it's not random there are moments there are there are points where these things shoot off and the parallel universes that live almost alongside us and live in the same they do live in the same universe they're just like a step over and there are some really big stories really big incredibly successful stories again in popular culture where this these multiple timelines where there's a true timeline and then it gets messed up have absolutely proliferated popular culture and marvel is a really great example of that for anyone that's watched marvel not only how did kind of end game only come around this, you know, the big the big final avengers movie only came around because mm-hmm. of um the idea of having to change time to get back to 
uh, a truth and bring back our loved ones, all of the kind of follow on additional stories are really about bending time and seeking a version of our history and ourselves that doesn't exist right now. A couple of other really, really popular um, books and stories over the last couple of years as well, again, are around bending time and seeking out different versions of the same time. So one is a, a book called How This Is How You Lose a Time War, which again is a fantasy, a fantasy novella, incredibly popular, um, award-winning book really about people that control time and how they try to maintain control of time as well. And I think so much of the idea of unled and unlived lives is really about helping ourselves feel in control. And another one from a little while ago is The Time Traveler's Wife, Mm -hmm. which was an enormous success, still incredibly popular, huge, huge film, kind of strange and problematic if you've read it. (laughs) But again, it got to such a universal human truth of the idea of time travel and being able to have some control over our future being and our past being really central to what we wish we could do. That the crux of why it's um, a pervasive and continuous topic that keeps coming back, the idea of these you know, reflecting on unled, on unled or unlived lives, whether it's looking back or looking to the future or how things could change, is... Um, Uh, desire for control and the idea that perhaps we are in control I find that really interesting and just to jump back to something you said it was whether you believe these alternative lives to have any any truth any objective reality because there's something in the term that the writer uses repeatedly in unled lives unlived lives that reminded me of an unopened letter the idea that it exists you have simply not lived it. Um, you have not opened it, but of course the letter exists. Um, and there was something very beautiful that I th- that the writer wrote, which was that to know what somebody isn't is to know them intimately. And he talks a lot about negative space, which is a term taken taken from painting, taken from art, in which he kind of suggests that through knowing and getting to know somebody's unfulfilled dreams or their, you know, their childhood ambitions that didn't end up becoming reality, knowing the decisions that they made and the things that they lost through those decisions, that is what it is to know somebody intimately. And so really your identity is not just made up of what you are, but also what you are not. Yeah, and I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And all of these things that didn't happen are are part of who we are. I think, Lorna, that is the perfect note to end our conversation on. Thank you so much for coming on Deep Talk. Thank you for having me on Deep Talk. Thank you for selecting the most beautiful text. Um, and I look forward to welcoming you on the podcast again in the future. I definitely hope to come back. Thank you so much for having me and I uh, I hope it's been an interesting conversation for everybody else. Oh my gosh. I hope you'll agree that that conversation with Lorna was absolutely incredible and that she spoke so beautifully on the topic of unlived lives. My thanks once again to her for agreeing to take the time to join us here. 
If you found today's topic interesting, that is what we are all about here at Deep Talk. Each week, my guest chooses something they find inspiring, thought-provoking or engaging, and we talk about it. I would love it if you could take the time to like and subscribe, and if you love us that little bit more, leave us a five-star review and a comment. If you're an advanced English learner who would love the space to engage in this kind of conversation yourself, be sure to join my mailing list, because throughout the year, I open the doors to my online discussion programs where we talk about articles and videos just like the one that we discussed today. As I record this, the next one will be open in April 2022. I also work with advanced clients on a one-to-one basis to help them move towards their specific goals. If you think that might be helpful for you, send me an email or a DM to find out more. With that, I will bid you farewell until next time. I've been Rhiannon, and this has been Deep Talk. Goodbye.